Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Another fantastic episode. It's the final show before Thanksgiving. Um, but here, play-by-play analysis podcast. Your boy, Devin Nash, Escape play-by-play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. My guy, Walt, is in the building again. Second week in a row. What's going on, sir? Hey, I'm good, brother. Back to back, man. Back to back, but I'm good, man. Good to good to chop it up. Holiday season, um, but yeah, let's let's talk some sports, brother. We got some sports. You know, as much as we love food, and you know, nothing goes good with a good plate of Thanksgiving food like some talk about sports, watching sports. We got a buffet of things lined up in pro and college. Even a Black Friday football game in the NFL for some reason, but. Every day of the week, almost. They, they try and get there, man. They try. <laughs> they try and it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous because why I'm not this down bad that I'd be watching the Jets and Cleveland Browns, for example, on a random Friday. Like, it, it should never be down that horrendously. But here, neither here nor there. We're going to get to that in a second. We're While we're on it, we're going to start in the NFL, you know, because – this was a bad week of football across the board. This was terrible. Like, I, I, it was so many games I turned off. Like, you know, but they saved the best for last. This past Monday night was exactly the closing game that we hoped we would get after a major disappointment on Sunday, in my opinion. It was terrible, them games on Sunday. But that ending was somewhat better, even though it was a nasty game itself. But the Eagles and Chiefs, the Super Bowl rematch that everybody had pretty much circled on their calendar from the moment the schedules dropped. And both teams came in the best in their respective conferences. Both teams came in just as good as we thought they would be. It wasn't any, at least initially, it hasn't seemed to be like there's been Super Bowl hangover, but it's not been so bad that they're affecting their wins and losses but they came in the game lived up to the relatively lived up to the hype and most importantly there was no taylor swift there thank you jesus um but with all of that being said the initial thoughts you took away of watching that football game on yeah Monday. man um, I think I'm coming away with it that these are probably still the two teams that beat in their respective conferences, um, in my opinion. Um, it was a good game. Like you said, it was probably the game in a week, uh, coming into the week, and I think it, it did live up to the hype. Um, it, honestly, in my opinion, like I felt like the Chiefs dominated the entire game. Um, and then when the Eagles took the lead late in the fourth, I was like, it's crazy that the Eagles are winning this game right now. Because um, it, it, it seemed like the Chiefs were controlling the pace of the game. Uh, they had... Seemed like they were converting on just about every third down. The Eagles couldn't convert on third down. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm from Philly, so my Twitter, uh, you know, feed was blowing up with Eagle fans 
calling for, you know, the offensive coordinator's head the entire game about throwing all these screens. Um, so you would have thought that the Eagles were down by a whole bunch. Um, but, you know, it, it got time. They got hot one one drive. DeAndre Swift had a nice, you know, long run. Uh, Devontae Smith made, uh, you know, a player two there. And then, hey, the touch push, um, it, it's hard to stop them when they get in that position. So um, it, it came down to that. But ultimately, <laughs> um, when you think about it, the Chiefs had two plays that really impacted the game. And the first one was a Kelsey fumble in the red zone. Uh, where the Chiefs are pretty much automatic in the red zone. Um, and then later on in the game, uh, the last offensive drive that the Chiefs had, you know, like that guy at VS <laughs> couldn't put it any, any better than that. Um, he just, you know, drops the ball. So the Chiefs, the Broncos game was a little a, a toss-up. I think Denver did enough to win that game. Um, but the Chiefs didn't look great in the second half. But we, we reflect on week one, the Chiefs' other loss uh, it was Kadarius Tony, you know, missing, dropping a dropping a pass that would have, you know, led led to a, a game winning field goal. So, um, two losses out of three losses they have this season. If a receiver doesn't drop the football that the majority of NFL receivers would have caught, we're in a different uh, having a different conversation here. But hey, the Eagles are as advertised. Even in a sloppy game, they can find a way to win. Um, but again, I don't think I walked away with saying that the Eagles are much better than the Chiefs. Um, but I think these two teams are still respectively the teams to beat in their conference. And so someone else shows up, uh, maybe the Ravens in the AFC, maybe the 49ers in the NFC. Um, but until then, I think we might be on pace for another Super Bowl rematch. I'm going to tell you right now, after that game, my wife, we will not be having a rematch of, <laughs> of these two teams, first of all. I would say that. Secondly, you remember a couple of years ago before the remember when Lamar was basically by himself in Baltimore and for years we would yeah. say, hey, if you put Pat Mahomes, like people were like, oh, Lamar is trash and he, this is why he's not on Mahomes level. And people would always mm-hmm. come back with, well, put Mahomes in Baltimore and see what he does with Lamar's weapons and put Lamar in Kansas City, see what he does. We have finally seen what that question's answer would look like now. Patrick Mahomes has no help whatsoever. This nigga has nobody. He has Travis Kelsey, an old-ass Travis Kelsey at that at 34, who even he was dropping balls and fumbling and and, and, and doing stuff. But we have finally seen the answer to that question. What would Mahomes look like if he had Lamar Jackson... 20, let's say 2018 Lamar Jackson's weapons. Or 2020, let's put it that way. If he had 2020 Lamar Jackson's weapons, when Willie Sneed was leading your receiving core, and, and I mean, you had Mark Andrews, who's cool, but like you, you, Greg Roman running offensive plays, this is what we are seeing with Pat Mahomes. His Greg Roman is Matt Nagy in this case. You're, you're, yeah. you, we saw Kadarius Tony, and the funniest thing is their two losses are both nationally televised games you got nbc sunday night football on one end and monday night football in this case so the whole world has gotten to see the same problem reinvent itself marquez valdez scantlin i think i said his name right marquez valdez scantlin yeah okay marquez valdez scantlin will be filling orders in at mcdonald's in two years if he ever drops another ball like that again because that is unacceptable. We saw it, like you said, with Kadarius Tony, And this ain't the first time. These dudes have been doing this. And it's past the point of, like, you know, if you're in week three and it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're having a repetitive dropping problem and, you know, we're going to figure it out. These guys are going to figure it out. We got we to gotta figure it out as we go. Okay, week three, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We are in week 11. Mm-hmm. You have dropped 26 passes this season. Leads the NFL. 26 passes. You score five points a game in the second half. 
This was the first game. I heard this on the broadcast. It's the first game that you scored a second half point. Actually, no, they didn't score any points in the second half. They were seventeen seven at halftime. Shut These out. niggas didn't score. So you are averaging five points. Two a weeks game. in a row, they got shut out. Shut out two weeks in a row. So you tell me, even the fucking Jets, the Jets are scoring points more points than you. Can you imagine that sentence? The Zach Wilson led Jets are outscoring. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the second half of games this year. That is inexcusable in week 11 of the season. That can't happen exactly. if you're – Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, the, only, the only thing I say is, like, if I had to bet on a guy that was going to be able to get it done in a postseason, it's hard for me to bet against Mahomes, right? And right. as bad as his receivers are, you know, the drops are, are inexcusable. Um, and, and to your point, Lee in the NFL. And that's something that – we're at week 11, right? We're past the halfway point of the season. And that's probably a problem that's not going to be fixed. There's no jug machines staying after practice. If you can't catch at this point as a professional wide receiver, you're just not going to get it. You're not going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden have hands. That, that, it just does not work. Um, but the crazy thing is, as bad as his weapons have been, somehow they are still, I think, like eighth or ninth in total yards. The Ravens and Eagles are all, they're all like right next to each other. They're either seven, eight, nine or something like that. Um, so, if you look at it across the board, I still don't think Lamar has a true number one receiver. And now he'll be missing Mark Andrews, right? But it, the Ravens do have something that I don't think the Chiefs have. Hands? And that's a running game. They have hands, <laughs> but so they lost big. that game to the Steelers because they dropped a bunch of passes. But yeah, that's they true, have yeah. a more dynamic running game, right? I'm a, I like Isaiah Pacheco. I, I like Jeff McKinnon um, for the Chiefs. But if it had to come down to the team that I think could, you know, punch the other team in the mouth and run the football and get it done, I think it's the Ravens, right? So I think they got a little bit more there um, with, you know, whether it's Gus Edwards, whether it's Hill, whether it's Keaton Mitchell, or, of course, Lamar as a running threat, right? So they do have that other element, I think, that could possibly take that offense a little bit further. Um, but still, if the game is on the line, all things equal, Patrick Mahomes is the guy that I'll bet money on, um, even with the sorry wide receivers that we'll see. So... That's what I think. If they can, the defense again. The defense is elite this year for the Chiefs. Like you know, they yeah. still got maybe that one. They're missing one corner, right? McDuffie is great in a slot. I think Snee has a lot of penalties, but he's a guy that can lock up. Um, the other corner, I think that Devontae Smith kind of dunked on and had that that, that big play on. Um, I'm not sure of his name, but um, that might be their weak link. But front seven with Chris Jones back, uh, you know, after the holdout early on this season, I think this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had since he's been there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's still the reason why I would – if I was a betting man, I would say the Chiefs have probably the best chance. But the Ravens are right there. Ravens, Ravens I was about right to say, there. Ravens got the number one defense in all mm-hmm. of football. Yep. So it's like yep. they're right there. <laughs> defense ain't never a problem in Baltimore. We know that. Like, Mm-mm. And here's the thing. Right now the Ravens are number one in the AFC currently after Kansas City lost. So the Ravens are number one in the AFC right now. If this – you know, sticks out, which I, I doubt it will because the two of them have to play each other. Well, no, they don't. They don't play each other this year. Never mind. I take that back. But if somehow they can hold on and ride this out and they're the number one seed, they would they would, they would would get the number one seed, meaning they would be home throughout the playoffs and they would get a first round bye, which both of those things would be the first time it didn't happen with Patrick Mahomes. So it would be the first postseason. Well, no, they would still get a home game because you're the two seed. But you wouldn't be 
home field throughout. Like he's never played a road he's never played a road game in his career on, in the postseason up to this point. And of all the places to get your road game debut, I do not think, and I promise you, <laughs> that you do not want to go into Baltimore in January and February. I promise you, you don't want to do that. I guarantee you. Not with not with this crew. If it was three years ago yeah. when you had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and 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 Miko Hardman and, and 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 all the people they had back then, that team maybe this one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Nope. Don't want to do that. Because, yeah. And I say that again where I'm like, we legit are at the point where it's like, yo. Somebody was like, like, like the question I said. If you switch these two and put them on the opposite team, what would they do? We're really at that point now where like, yo, Mahomes could go into Baltimore. And with those weapons, he would like the league up. With yep. those weapons in that defense. Whereas Lamar... Essentially, if you put him on Kansas City, it's what he's been had. You got a decent running game. You got a great tight end. Nothing else. Fair point. And a decent defense that's being point. wasted. It's, it's hilarious, though. But we say all that to say that, yeah, um, the Eagles keep finding ways to win, which is probably says a lot about their team, and it's probably really going to help them come uh, later in the postseason because it's like, oh, you have all these different ways you can win. But I think they got to pick it up, too, eventually because, you know, Dallas is looking like a well-oiled machine. The 49ers are finally getting healthy again, and they're looking like a well-oiled machine. You still have to play them later this season. Yep. And uh, the Lions are – they packed that thing too. Like, don't sleep on them. So, Philly, get it together quickly. That's all I'm going to say on that. We're going to move on, though. Um, it was some other games, you know, believe it or not. There were other games worth watching or not watching, whatever. Um, I'm going to tell you that – Man, the San Francisco 49ers are frightening. They are terrifying. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is getting real scary out here <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, because even Brock Purdy is starting to like, let that chopper sing, bro. Like, this is, this is, <laughs> this, if they don't win it this year, we're going to have to start having some conversations about Kyle Shanahan because. Yeah. All I'm saying is they better win it this year. Yeah, I mean, for Shanahan, time is running out. In my out. opinion, right? Like, time is running out for him to prove himself as an NFL head coach. Um, and not in a way of. At least being, in San Francisco. Right, you know, yeah, right. The, the guy has proven to be able to create great offenses, put guys in positions to be successful. Um, but I get really uncomfortable when people put him in the upper echelon of head coaches because he has not won a big one. Um, and I feel like he's held to, like, this standard of being, like, this great, great offensive mind, which I think he is. You know what I mean? I think he is a great offensive coach, but he hasn't won yet. You know what I mean? He's, he's got to the Super Bowl. He gets to the NFC Championship. He wins playoff games. But until you win the big one, I think he'll be in that, um, you know, the conversation with Andy Reid when Andy Reid was in Philly for, you know, for a long time, right? He was a great offensive mind. He was this great coach, but he couldn't win the big one. Eagles have went to so many NFC Championships, but they couldn't get it done. Right, so I think Shanahan is approaching that. Um, I think the 49ers organization, you know, John Lynch and them, they'll be pretty, pretty, you know, patient with him. Um, but as far as it may take the change of scenery if he can't win with this team, right? Because, like you said, I, I've been a big Brock Purdy guy, right? Like, I'm not saying that he's ever going to be a top five quarterback in this league, 
but I think he, he elevates his team and he raises them. You know what I mean? He raises their, their floor a lot more than Jimmy G could have done. Right. Um, so I, I think with McCaffrey back, you know, with Debo Samuels healthy, they did lose a Huafanga though for on their defense, who's the anchor, yeah. you know, along with Fred Warner. That's but nice. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. I think them so, getting – them. Up. Adding Chase Young is going to help offset that because it's mm-hmm. like now you got this pass rush where it's like, bro, the safeties won't have to. I mean, granted, look, losing an all-pro safety is always going to be tough regardless. But yep. I think they are wired and well-oiled machine in such a way that because – especially because you added Chase up front, like mm-hmm. that secondary ain't going to have to hold up but for so long anyway, depending nope. on who you're playing. Yeah. So. Perfect passer written though for Purdy, man. And it was it was real quiet on Twitter. <laughs> the Purdy hate was really quiet on Twitter after Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. Purdy is not like you said. I'm never gonna confuse him for being a top five quarterback. Yeah. But I've always said this about Jimmy G when he was with the Niners. The Niners always won in spite of Jimmy G, not because of Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Purdy, they can win because of Purdy. Yeah. And they're not, they're not necessarily winning in spite of him. Like, he's not fucking anything up. Like, you know, even when he has a bad game, it's not like a catastrophic game. Like, he's not turning the football over three times. And, it, like, it's not like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, he, he might have only thrown for 150 yards today. Yeah. So. And I don't, like, sell yeah. it short either, right? Because I think Shanahan, again, I think he is a – Great play caller, and I, I think he just has a great system in place. But like, they don't do anything that's like unusual, right? Like, they don't have the crazy motions and stuff, like the Dolphins or the Eagles, right? Like, they don't try to do all this stuff. They only throw it to their guys, right? Like, they had he completed passes to four receivers: and Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuels, and George Kittle. Those, like, those are their guys. That's those their are guys. Their and yeah, the, a perfect passer rate and completing the passes to four players, and that's just that's they got their guys. And you'll He's occasionally guys open. you'll occasionally throw Jawan Jennings two or yeah. three passes a game, and then no. you'll occasionally throw something to whoever the backup yeah, tight backup end is back. or whatever yeah. backup running back, whatever. Like yeah, but yeah, it's the same four guys who yep. always are open, mm-hmm. who are incredibly difficult to tackle in open space, um, especially Debo. That man is not a true receiver, but he is the most talented, maybe? I don't know. It's, That's it's, the after catch, man. You get him the ball, he's like him nice. do his thing. Yeah. That man is a bulldog. He's built like a bulldog, bro. Like, it's yeah. crazy. And he's been like that since college. He was like that at South Carolina, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, they was using him as a running back early. Now you don't have to do that anymore because you got McCaffrey. But, like, oh. yeah. It, it's, it's different down there and uh, up there, over there in the bed. So, it's like... There, there. I, I really, I've, I've said, I think that it's going to be a Niners Ravens or Cowboys Ravens Super Bowl. I don't, I don't think Philly's going to get there this year. But that's just, just. I mean, they could, but I, I just feel like Dallas might surprise some people, which you, you said as well. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, that was my, that was my prediction. And yeah. the NFC, I think, is, is more stacked because I think. The which AFC is crazy right to think about. You know, remember yeah, we yeah. came in thinking the AFC was a superior conference yeah. and everybody did it. And the NFC has said the South got something to say. Yeah, because if the Cleveland Browns <laughs> is three, which they are right now in the AFC, with Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback, no. It's, it's not. It's not happening. It's not happening. Speaking of the 
AFC North. Um, we, we have some developing news that finally happened this week. The, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers finally did the right thing and fired Matt Canada. Now, Kenny Pickett needs to go next, but that's neither here nor there. They fired Matt Canada. It is about damn time because the fact is that I think that, and, and I've said this because, you know, no, being, uh, being an observer of the Washington Commanders, I've seen my share of bad offensive coordinators in this city. And the one thing I will say is that, and, and, and this doesn't just go for the commanders, this goes for the NFL in general. Um, there are a lot of mediocre to just below average coordinators in the league who just get jobs because it's a good old boy network and you know somebody who knows somebody and you get a job. And a lot of them get bailed out by the fact that they have really great players, people like Nathaniel Hackett, for example. Mm-hmm. Like when you have a Hall of Famer, as quarterback, yeah, it's going to help you out because you see what happens when Zach Wilson's in there. Yep. And the point I'm trying to get to is that I think that great players make systems great. If you have even even mediocre play callers, like if you have a mediocre, a mediocre play caller but there's a really good player – you can still be okay and you can match some inefficiencies because he's great. But if you have bad to just above average to below average players combined with a bad to above average coordinator, it's going to further, further expose the mediocrity of said coordinator. And that's what's happening in Pittsburgh. Matt Canada's awful, but Kenny Pickett does not get to escape accountability because he's terrible with a terrible coordinator and it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's what we're getting here. It's not like Matt Nagy was awful. We saw him in Chicago, but when you put him with Patrick Mahomes, you can kind of get away with doing certain things. Mm-hmm. You can't get, there's not the same thing. Kenny Pickett is awful with an equally awful coordinator. And this is why we have a situation that we have in Pittsburgh where you're getting outgained every week and you can't throw the ball. You can't throw the forward pass. Like this is 1892. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, me as a Steelers fan, <laughs> Christmas, the holidays, they came a little bit early for us. Uh, when, when I got the news at 8 a.m., um, I, was, I was jumping for 8 a.m. is crazy. That's crazy. I, 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 sent, I sent out the text messages. You know, I sent out the group messages. I retweeted a little bit of everything. Because like you said, that it, it was long, long overdue. When you're 10 games into the season and you haven't outgained a single team, it's it's, it's, it's just the most, you know, fireable offense that there can be for an offensive coach, right? And I understand the Steelers organization, the way they do things. This is the first coach to be fired in season in years. Actually, matter of fact, look, look, look I'm, I'm going to give you a funny-ass stat because we, we did this last week. You know I love crazy stats like this. This is the first time, I believe since 1944, that the Pittsburgh Steelers have fired a, have fired a coach in season. This is the first time since 1944. Do you know what the world looked like in 1944? This is my, at this point, this is a daily segment. What did the world look like last time this happened? 1944, we were in the middle of World War II. It was still a year away from ending. So I feel like the only reason, I would, I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet money that the only reason that that coach got fired in 1944 is because they probably sent him off to the draft. I got one, I got one even better for you, bro. In 1941. Lord Jesus. Listen to this, man. Yep. The coach that was fired, mm-hmm. the owner fired him. <laughs> was the he said, owner. I'm going to step over the coach and get his ass out because the coach the won't owner. do it. I'm going to jump over this guy 
He said, if you want fire, let me jump on in here, slide my Gucci boots over your head, and fire this dude. That's crazy. And I got an even crazier, crazier stuff. Burt Bell fired himself, actually. The owner fired himself in 1941. That's nasty. Work. 80 years. That is nasty. It's been 80 years. Burt Bell fired himself. 80 years. That is just wild. And sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes change is a good thing. Sometimes it's okay yeah. to come with the get with the times yeah, a little yeah, bit. Like I understand if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I understand it. I understand that. But sometimes change is okay. It's okay to yep. divvy away a little bit. You know, it's okay. It, it won't kill nobody except for yeah. But firing a man at eight a.m. is crazy, bro. This man ain't even yeah. wiped the crust out of his eyes yet, nope. <laughs> and he woke up to unemployment. Like. I'd be forgetting everybody ain't like me. You know, we don't all have jobs at four in the morning. So I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, I didn't realize it was 8 a.m. when he got fired. I thought the whole day had started. Nah, <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was 8 a.m. 8 a.m. sharp. This nigga woke the crust out of his eye. Probably actually showed up to work because, you know, coaches get up early. So he probably got up at like 5 a.m. and his key ain't work. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Jamal, Mike, the Jamal Adams, uh, Jeff, when he uh, walking, right. he's trying to get into the building. <laughs> like, Mike, what the hell going on, working. Mike? Mike, what's going on, Mike? <laughs> Uh, my bad. Uh, my bad, Matt. Uh, Matt, I got. I, I don't know how to tell you this, Matt. But uh, well, why you ain't telling me before I woke up at five? And like, you know, it's just. I, I bet you it's like that. It, I doubt it's like so that because you know. That in, my bring, team. The, bring the trash bag to the to the locker room. Right. Clear it out. <laughs> <laughs> got the bag sitting outside. Like he, <laughs> that's crazy, bro. Eight a.m. is crazy. <laughs> that's yeah. But like we said, you know, it, it sucks, but it had to be done. It probably had to be done two or three years ago, if we're being honest. This really has been one of the biggest failures of an experiment in, this, in the city of Pittsburgh. Because, because Pittsburgh is not a... F- okay, let me not say that. I, I, won't, I won't go as far as to say they're not a forward thinking. But I feel like when Big Ben, when we saw the end of Big Ben, it, there should have been a plan in motion, I feel like. like I, I just feel like Pittsburgh was kind of just waiting too long to figure out a succession plan and giving too much deference to Big Ben. And I just feel like that cost them a couple of years of this because now you're in a situation where the entire team essentially is set and the only position missing is quarterback. And by the time you potentially figure that out, it's going to be a lot of people that are either too old to get brought back or too expensive to get brought back. Yeah. Or some combination of both because – now you're probably going to have to start over again quarterback-wise because it, it doesn't look like Pickett is that guy. And he's still on a rookie deal, so it's not going to cost a lot to move on from him. Maybe not this year, but, like, next year. And then the other thing of that is, like, oh, well, if you bring a rookie in, it's going to be, like, a rebuilding period for him, for his development. And then you get guys like Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and – those are the big two, but like TJ Watt, yeah. like, you know, these guys that are like in the prime of their careers and it's like, bro, I'm trying to win now. <laughs> I don't got time yeah, think, to go through another rebuild. Yep. I think at, at, at the point that we're at, um, it's just like, like you said, it was like timing was terrible. Um, you know, when Big Ben left, um, just because we didn't know, right? Like we knew he was at the back end of his career and they were just honestly like surviving, right? He had the one fluke season when we were, we started out, what, we was like 14 and 0 or 13 and 0 and lost to the commanders. Yeah. Um, but, the season before that, he was terrible. He couldn't stay healthy. And then the season after that, he was just awful, right? He could barely throw 50 yards. He was terrible that season. 30 yards, probably. Right? So, like, that whole draft, though, was bad, right? Um, Pickett was the first guy drafted. Then we had Malik Willis, who's 
you know, probably going to be either moving on from the Titans or out of the league pretty soon. Sam Howell, who coming into that season, people thought he was going to be the number one quarterback, had a terrible season at UNC. Commander got him in the fifth round. And I think he'll, he's probably the best quarterback out of that draft, even though he's still struggling. Desmond Ritter, already benched. Matt Corral, not even – I don't even know if he's still on a roster anymore. Oh, uh, in, he definitely in ain't in Carolina. I don't know where he's at, but he ain't in Carolina. Then the Steelers drafted a dude, Chris Oladukin, in the sixth round. Uh, seventh round, no longer with the team. Bailey Zappi, him and Mac Jones, you know, they go back and forth every once in a while, but both aren't good. Then Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevance, somehow, some way, has been the most consistent guy of this class. Wait, was um, he in that in class? Position. He was the last pick of the draft in that in that draft. No, but that's what I'm saying. I thought he was the year after. No, nah, he was that draft. He was the 2022 draft. Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, shoot. It was 2022. Last year was no, the rookie. Oh, rookie season. Yeah, and then 20. Skylar Thompson was the Dolphins' backup quarterback, right? So, like, who this is fuck? all together one of those drafts where you think one quarterback was drafted in the first round, who was Kenny Pickett, who, in most people's opinion, shouldn't have been drafted in the first round. But the Steelers didn't have anybody, so they said, hey, let's keep the guy at home. He played for Pitt. He had a great, you know, Heisman-like senior campaign at Pitt, even though he was, like, what, 24 years old playing against college kids pretty much. Well, Um, well, in fairness, in fairness, in fairness, in the NIL and COVID, post-COVID era, this year's Heisman crop, all three of them, 24, 25 years old. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix. Bo Nix is... 38, 75 years old, beating on children. And and Michael Penix Jr. as well is, is 24. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's kind of the way of life in college football right now. At the time, yep. though, at the time, though, he was bad. Well, not bad, but he was he was not as special as those three. Like, he he wasn't, except for that one season. Yeah. The other ones so at I'm, least have been, at least the other three have been consistent. Exactly. So, if I'm, a, but if I'm the Steelers... I, I might look at what the Titans did, right? Um, you know, a third-round pick for Willis, not as much money probably was tied into that as a first-round pick at Kenny Pickett, but they drafted Levis in the second what second round this year, mm-hmm. and they had him compete with Willis, had him compete with Tannehill, and then Levis, hey, turns around, he's the guy. So, right, so why not if the Steelers get a second-round pick, high second-round pick, or can trade up and get a guy that they really like if a Michael Penix drops to the second round, if a Jaden Daniels is somehow – these guys drop to the second round, why not draft the quarterback or even trade up late in the first round if a quarterback's still on the board and draft your guy um, to compete with Pickett, right? Like, what's the worst that can happen? We've seen it. Teams, you got it. You, you have to draft quarterbacks. You have to draft guys. Um, but like you said, uh, you know, maybe it might be a benefit that some of these quarterbacks are a little bit older so that the Cam, you know, Cam Haywards, the TJ Watts, those guys on the back half of their careers don't have to sit through a complete rebuild and we know that the Steelers won't ever probably truly get to a point of turning everything over to the quarterback. They're still going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to, you know, Play handle defense. the, you know, the the time of possession and win win the game defensively. So I think it's time to move on from Pickett. Uh, I think two years is a small sample size, but it's enough of a sample size to know that he's not the guy. We're the second worst passing offense in the league, and uh, again, he's he's probably not going to get any better. Who in the hell would have thought that the two... Well, I mean, I guess we all probably could have seen it coming because that class was awful, like we said. Like, you um, going into... I've never seen a draft class, like, where... I mean, from the start, people were like, no, this class is terrible. These niggas would be yeah. lucky to get out the first round, get out the second uh-huh. round. That, people were saying that from the beginning. So mm-hmm. it's not like we didn't know this class was bad. It's not like it's some revisionist history where it's like, oh, well... You know, like the Justin Herbert thing, a lot of people didn't want him 
and then he turned into what he is. A lot of and and, and, and you know, so there are people that'll be revisionists like, oh, I knew it back then. Like, no, you didn't. This is different. Yeah. This is different. Everybody knew they were terrible back then, and they're all terrible now. And the reason I say that is the two best quarterbacks in that draft were both taken in the last two rounds. Who that's how that's an indictment on this entire class, bro. Yeah, Sam Howell and Brock Purdy, and it's not even the jury's still out on Sam Howell. I can't even really put him up there for real. But Brock Purdy, especially, the two best quarterbacks in this draft were both taken in the last two rounds. That has never yeah. happened with quarterbacks. That happens in every other position. Quarterbacks, that's not supposed to happen. But that that just says everything we need to know about the twenty twenty two quarterback class. But that's that's neither here nor there. But with that being said, we move on again. Um, Seattle's in trouble. Seattle is in trouble. If we want to talk about, do you think it might be time to move on from Gino? Do you think the story's over? The story might be over. I'm going to give him another shot. Um, you know, I'm going to let him ride the season out and see how they go. Uh, the offense hasn't looked great. Um, it's so weird know, because it's like they're, is that they're still – they're still in a wild card hunt, yeah. though, right? So if they make the playoffs, it's like like they're really, they're not terrible. Really up? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so it, it's hard for me to, but I think what we have seen, and we talked about this last week, is like the bar of mediocrity is pretty low this season, right? For the NFL for an NFL quarterback, as Tom Brady, um, Tom said. Brady actually talked about it. Yeah, talked about this <laughs> yesterday, like, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's like Geno is still a mid tier guy. I think last year he showed some flashes. He was a Pro Bowler. You know, some guys opted out. But it was a great Cinderella story to see this guy get back, right? So some of that, some of that Cinderella, right? We know when we talk about March Madness, right? When college basketball started, those Cinderellas they have a season, maybe two, but after a while, you know what I mean? Eventually, the, the clock, the clock eventually strikes midnight. Eventually, exactly, the clock exactly, strikes right? midnight. Let's come back and, and things are back in order, right? So like, I don't think if he'll he'll be that elite guy, and I think also a lot of teams they ain't really have a lot of tape on the guy, right? But now teams know how to kind of scheme against them. They got tape on them. They got a full season under your belt. Um, you know, the Seahawks offensive line has not been great. They weren't great when Russell was there. Um, they haven't been great this season. Um, last year, DK and, and Lockett were playing out of their minds. You know, DK has been banged up, right? He hasn't seemed like the same player that he once was. So um, He's too you know, busy I beating corners think, up. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? So I just don't, you know, I don't see Geno, you know, getting back to an elite level that he played at for stretches last season. Um, but I, I think they're going to, you know, stick it out. And, and he's a great locker room guy. Um, yeah. But they also just don't have another guy there to push him either. So right. it's just not – it's a lack of quarterbacks right now. Right. And I will so say – I will say with Gina, the difference with him and some of those other Cinderella stories is his was probably never sustainable because he is 33, 32. 32 years old, you generally are what you are at 32. Like, this is not like he was a 24-year-old who had some resurgence after, like, two bad seasons to begin his career. Like, no, 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 no. You're 32. So we don't know how many good years you have left, period, let alone uh, borderline elite like he had last year. So that's that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's time to move on from him yet. Like you said, you know, they're still kind of relatively solid with him. I just think that, especially because you got a team-friendly deal, because it's like only like three years. So, you know, it's at some point they're they're going to have to figure some things out just because of age more than anything. But that's that's what that is. But from uh, 
one quarterback to another, I'm gonna tell you. I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as to say Russ is back, but I'm gonna just say that Russ has been playing exceptionally better this year than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Like leaps and bounds. At least statistically on paper, he looks so much better this year, and it hasn't really necessarily translated much yet. But Denver looked dead in the water. They they had somebody dropped seventy points on their head, and 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 I just gave up. I wrote them off entirely. Like I I wasn't thinking about them. There's nothing you can say to me, and I won't get it out of my head even while they're winning now. But they are winning now. The defense is playing better. It's just a lot of people will not be able to get that seventy point game out of their heads for good reason. Whether that's fair or not is not the issue. You gave up seventy points in the NFL game. People are not going to be able to erase that even when you're winning. With that being said, they are 5-5 five and five right now. They are not dead yet. It's got to be something to be said about it, but it's like, bro, I mean, you know, shout out to the Broncos, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, Russ is playing, you know, good football right now, right? He's taking care of the football. I think that's been the biggest thing. Um, he struggled early <laughs> on the season with, with a few fumbles, but, I mean, he got 19 touchdowns, four interceptions, right? And, Taking care of the football, when we talk about a lot of the elite quarterbacks this season, Josh Allen, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you said they haven't been. Okay. Yeah, I've been saying, like, guys have been turning over the the ball a bunch. You know, we got the Josh Allens. uh, Even Jalen Hurts, right, his interceptions are up a lot this season. Dak, who's played better and been taking care of the ball the last few weeks, right? Interceptions has been the the issue for some of these quarterbacks that are borderline elite. Mm -hmm. Um. But Russ has been solid. Uh, I mean, I think he's second or third in the league right now in QB rating. Um, touchdown passes, he's about you know third or fourth. Um, I'm not. I'm not at the point where I would say, okay, this guy's in the MVP race because the Broncos haven't been there. But he's playing just as good as these MVP level quarterbacks, the Tua's, the Jalen Hurts, right? Like when you look at Russ's numbers compared to theirs, he's right there. Um, and then the Broncos again. We talked about the AFC. There's not a clear you know middle of the pack you know guys that are separating themselves, and the Broncos are. Somehow, some way, in the thick of the AFC uh, wild card chase right now. So, um, hey, they were doubted out early. We were making fun of Sean Payton. I know I was. And people were like, you know, he's done. But Broncos organization seemed like they have a little bit more stability this season. Um, and, and Russ just had to remind people, I might not be the Russ of old, but I'm still a pretty solid NFL quarterback. And, you know, we'll, we, don't, we don't know if he'll ever be worth what they paid him. But I think he's, again better than the majority of these quarterbacks this season. Right. Well, and considering so many quarterbacks have been hurt, it, I mean, the bar is pretty low this year in terms of being better than certain other quarterbacks. Because it's like, you look at you look at some of the starters in Week 11. I mean, Josh Dobbs, as good as, as much of fun as we've had with that story, I mean, let's be real here. <laughs> it's like the first seven weeks we saw what it was. So Josh Dobbs... Tommy DeVito, nigga still lives with his parents. He still <laughs> lives with his parents, and he's playing in the yeah. National Football League. Tommy DeVito, Josh Dobbs, Kenny Pickett. He's not even a backup, but still, Kenny Pickett. Um, um, who else? Who else? Uh, fucking Dorian Thompson Robinson, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle. <laughs> um, they're both Derek in the Carr, same James Winston. Derek Carr, James Winston. Uh... Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Jake Browning got some action this week. Uh, you know, Ritter these and Heineke. <laughs> Ritter and Heineke. Like, these are quarterbacks that are starting NFL football games. Yeah. So it doesn't take a whole lot to be better in Russ's case. But, I mean, he's still Russ. So, you know, 
But yeah, I wanted that brings me to the final point of this particular section. I'm gonna just say that Tom Brady, wrong messenger, absolutely wrong messenger. But he he made points. You know, the NFL right now is it's 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 a lot going on in terms of like the, he 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 was cooking. He, he said there are a lot of mediocre coaches. You know, he it's just the wrong messenger because it's like, bro, Tom Brady of all people. Most of these rules in particular were put in place because of niggas like Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> like these were rules that benefited you for years. It's just now that you retire, you can actually see it. You couldn't see it when you were playing, or just didn't want to. I don't know. Now that you're outside of the game and looking at it, and it's like, oh, this is this is what's going on now. It's like, nah, bro, this has been going on. You just benefited from it, so you couldn't see it, but. Like, we said, I mean, the NFL is a good old boy network, so it's going to be a lot of mediocre coaches and coordinators who get jobs because they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you know, or they got connections. Like, Jim Harbaugh is really about to weasel his way back into the NFL over black assistants that have been working with their head down for years that probably deserve more, or even some white assistants, too. But Jim Harbaugh going to weasel his way back to the NFL this summer after getting booted, essentially getting booted out of Michigan. So it's not like he's coming in on his own free will. He's probably just skirting his whatever. So shit like that. And then guys like Nathaniel Hackett. Like Sean Payton called it out and people didn't like him for it. Everybody was making fun of him. Oh, he broke the code and he did this. No, that nigga didn't lie. He just didn't back it up either. It's a lot of bad coaches out here. And there's a lot of... Lack of development going on. It's a lot of, like, stuff going on, like, people getting cast out. You look at, like, Carolina, for example, and this is more of an ownership thing. But you coach after coach getting fired, you know, the owner literally is just Dan Snyder without the DEA raid in the office, you know, without the lawsuits. It, 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 but the same thing going on. You hire, People like Frank Reich should not be a head coach in the NFL. There's no way that you hire him in Carolina after what he did in Indianapolis. There's no way. Yeah, <laughs> like I always think, like when it comes to like professional sports, right? Like each year, there's usually a handful of teams that are realistically gonna be contenders, right, for for a championship. This is most like the NFL. I think is in a place where maybe year to year, there's four to six teams that we can say, okay, NBA. I think that's a little broader, um, but I think where the NFL is is like most of these are gonna be the teams with a great quarterback. Um, and a team that has a track record of being a solid organization, a solid, stable organization. But like you said, that like the turnover rate is ridiculous. Um, you know, when we talk about like this year, the Texans have finally figured it out. But the turnover, like they've had, this is three years in a row, they've had three head coaches, right? Um, the Raiders, right? An organization who continue to have crazy turno- turnover. The, the, the Giants, right? Uh, since the Tom Coughlin area. The crazy Bears. Turnover, right? The Bears, right? Crazy turnover, right? So like, a lot of times, to Tom Brady's point, right, I get it, but, like, and Brady, when you think about it, when you talk about being successful, will go down as the most successful NFL player ever with, you know, Super Bowls and all that stuff, and arguably um, the greatest player ever, depending on, like, how you view that thing, um, that conversation, but, but shoot, he's even. really not the guy. He's not the guy to really have this conversation because he was in one of the few stable organizations, which was the New England Patriots. And in that era of him winning all those Super Bowls, you have maybe the Steelers. You have maybe the Colts. But other than that, it wasn't that many stable teams. There was some bad football being played. Yeah, the Ravens in there. There was a lot of bad football being played. But it the was offense, like... 
I'm like, it's not even just that part of it. It's the part that, like, yo, he talks about some of the stuff about, like, when he started going into, like, the safety stuff. And it's like, yes, I'm glad somebody is finally saying it. But at the same time, again, for years, Tom Brady, you couldn't breathe on that man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that we see with the quarterback position now is because of Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. It's not just Tom Brady. I mean, it's not like he told people to. Well, you know, but like, <laughs> it's this, the, the, it was all benefited quarterbacks like him. There's a reason you yeah. played until you were 46. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't just because you just found the fountain of youth. It was just because you know people can touch you. You just sit mm-hmm. back there like seven on seven. But it, it, there's a point that it's making. It's like. You can't legislate violence out of the game of football. You can't do it. There is only you, there. It doesn't matter how many rules you make to try to protect people. It's just going to damage the pro- like. At some point, you as a professional football player got to look up and realize, like, bro, this is football. This is a violent game full of collisions. People that probably shouldn't be running into each other full speed are doing it. Niggas is going to get hurt. Like you're going to get hurt. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And it's a matter of how badly. Because some people manage to make it through a season without getting severely injured. Some people can't make it through three weeks without it. You know? Like, it's part of the the game of football. And, like, for example, this whole conversation about the hip drop tackle, whatever they put the name on it. It's like, now they're like, oh, should we ban this? This is dangerous. This is whatever. Like, my brother. If you ban that or whatever version of that is... That's essentially the death note. Like, you're taking tackling out of the game almost entirely at that point. Because it's like, y'all must really not understand how difficult it is to tackle a 6'3", 6'4", 225-pound human being that bench presses and squats 700 pounds. Yeah. Like some of these dudes do. Like, do you understand how difficult it is to tackle Travis Kelsey in the open field? Yeah. Or Nick Chubb? Yeah. Or Jalen Hurts, and y'all want to sit here and criticize people because they're bringing all their weight down? Like, you're not just going to arm tackle somebody? Like, what do, what do y'all want from these dudes on defense, bro? It's hard enough playing defense as it is. It is. And now y'all are just legislating it completely. Like, you can't legislate violence out of the game. You just can't. It's bad, man. And, and it, like you said, man, it's, it's so sad because it's like there's very, very few players <laughs> that go out there every night and say I am going to injure another player. I'm going to kill like, another human being on the field. Except yeah, James like, Harris. That's just not. That, like, you know what I mean? There's not that many Vontaze Burfix out there in the world. Um, and, <laughs> like, and for NFL players, too, right, which is crazy, is like, you think that these guys are really going, like Kareem, you know, Kareem Jackson, free Kareem Jackson, I will say. Right. Leave he did not clear to be suspended for the season uh, for what he did to Josh Dobbs. They put Josh Dobbs at running back. Football is a violent sport. Running backs get hit violently. Especially if they are an active runner, they're not offenses. I was going to say, there is no such thing with running, from everything I understand with the rules, running quarterbacks, or not running quarterbacks, running running backs, or like players running the ball, is not defenseless. Like, because you you can see it, it's not like catching a ball across midfield and then getting lit up. Like, as a running back, there is no penalty for defenseless players. And then so finding the players yeah. and suspending them without pay. Like, J.J. Watt's been a big advocate of, like, figuring out a way how to NFLPA. And I've talked about it a bunch and tweeted about it a bunch. Like, NFLPA at some point has to step in because it's like, you're finding them, but the money's going back in the NFL's pocket. You know what I mean? Like, 
If I, I, like, again, I don't think they should be fined for these types of offenses. Uh, DeAndre Swift the other day got fined for literally running someone over. Um, so, like, these, these rules are just bad. Um, but the thing is, too, is, like, it's weird because a lot of people are talking about how mediocre NFL has been. And, like, I, I've been a proponent of that. Like, the quarterbacks have not been great. Um, but even with all of these rule changes, even with all of this stuff, the offense has been worse than previous years. This is one of the worst scoring offense, uh, you know, stats. Yeah, this, this year, is this year offense is down this year. Exactly, right? But even with all these rules, as fans, and I think this is a bad perception, and it's, it, it's just because offense sells, right? It's sexy. Scoring points, high-scoring games are sexy, right? But, like, the defenses are winning this year, and all of a sudden, football is mediocre, right? So I have an issue with it. Because, yeah, the, the, the – the way people are talking about, oh, offense is down. It's so bad for the. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's y'all are giving offenses too much credit for being bad, no. and not enough credit to the fact that you have freaking Miles Garrett out there in Cleveland, bro. These defenses are good. Yeah, the, the way y'all, the, the way defense is portrayed in the NFL, like any semblance of defense is even seen as. Oh, like, you know, big hits now are not – oh, every single big hit now, we're looking for a flag, even if you don't necessarily get one. But we're always looking, always got our heads on the swivel. Um, anytime there's a bad offensive output, it's like, well, what did the offense do wrong? What is wrong with their offense? And it's like, bro, give these defensive players credit, bro. They're out here too, Absolutely. bro. Like, even the MVP, there is no way this year that you can give it to a quarterback. There is no – way that anybody any of these quarterbacks if like Lamar is the favorite right now because the Ravens are good but like even as good as Lamar has been this year there is no way you can tell me that somebody like a Miles Garrett or a Tyreek Hill or like you know in a a weird situation than TJ Watt like there's no way that you can tell me y'all can't be this lazy enough to not find somebody else other than a quarterback because there's no quarterback that I think deserves it Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. But that's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. With nah, that. sucks. So, that yeah. sucks. But enough ranting. The point is, this this particular week was like a really low point, even for like a year. Like overall, I didn't necessarily think too much, but I feel like this week was like the low point for the season. It was just so many terrible games. <laughs> but that being said, there still is a lot of good to look at. And so that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it was definitely the good ending and we're getting ready to go into a new week, which we're getting ready to talk about now. So, We have reached my favorite part of the show. It's a segment I like to call Big Time Plays of the Game, dedicated to all of the biggest situations going on in the world, sports and beyond. And I'm going to tell you that... Um, we moved to the world of college football, which has not disappointed. You know, college football has been on one this year, you know. And this is kind of a year that I said coming in. I was going to enjoy it, and we've kind of reached the end of the season now. And this is the last year of college football as we know it. You know, like the last year that we're going to have a Pac-12 conference. The last year that, you know, the Big Ten and SEC are what they are before those teams move. The last year of SEC on CBS. Like, it's just so many eras that are ending this year. And so this year has really been one for the books, and I'm loving it. But with that being said, we have reached the best weekend of this year. 
is rivalry weekend. But we didn't get here without some bumps in the road. And probably the biggest bump in the road, which is kind of fucked up for me to describe it like that. But what happened in Tallahassee, Florida this weekend was just tragic, man. Prayers up to Jordan Travis, man, and that injury, because that was unfortunate. First of all, seeing it live was crazy, because, like, I'm watching it as it happened, and the people on TV there are just freaking the hell out, because they didn't expect that. Like, oh, no, oh, no, we did, we apologize for showing this. We Like, that was, that was, like, a surreal experience. That was crazy. But that being said, like, to see that man's foot snap like that was crazy, because considering everything he's been through in his career... Because Jordan Travis got there when Florida was in their dark days. Like, he was there, and he got beat up. He took punishment for years. There were times I wondered if he would make up the seasons. He just felt so – it just felt so nasty to see him go through that. And he had some bad injuries and some really bad teams in his early years. But he stuck around, helped turn the program around. And Florida State is in a position now where they're undefeated – Going into the rivalry week and they're on the road at University of Florida, they have a ACC championship game waiting against a really good Louisville team. Like, if they play their cards right, they can still make the playoff. But now we're in a position now where all of this could get unraveled real quickly. And even if they do win out, there are a lot of people that don't want to see them there because they, they Jordan Travis isn't there. And, and for some reason in college football, it's become about what people want to see rather than what teams deserve. Yeah. Because ratings, obviously. Nah, it's tough, man. It, it's definitely sad because, um, like you said, that the journey that Florida, right, Florida State was, before this season, really begging Deion Sanders to come there and, like, rejuvenate this program, right? They wanted prime there, um, but they stuck it out, right? Like, they, they held back, and Jordan Travis matured through the years, uh, coming into the season, and again, like he was at over as the season has kind of played on his play, his level of play, he wasn't doing the, the huge stats and stuff like that, so he kind of fell out of the Heisman race. But he brought the hype back, right? Like Florida State was back. Um, they are still number five in the country. Uh, you know, two wins away from I think um, playing in the, in the college football playoffs. If they're an undefeated team, like you can't leave them out. Um, but to your point, Dove, it's like. A team that I think arguably has had, you know, one of, some of the best wins, better wins. You know, they beat LSU pretty handily in the first week. Um, they kind of rolled through the ACC. Um, big test against Florida, who aren't great, but SEC opponent. And then Louisville, who's, you know, number nine and ten right now um, at the different polls. If you win those games, they have the resume. Uh, it, it, it sucks that they would be like, oh, they don't have their starting quarterback. So where does this team project? And I think. When we look at the, the, the brackets sometimes on the college basketball side, they look at that type of stuff. But again, this is the last year of the four-team playoff. Let this team in if they roll, if they roll the table. Um, so I'm rooting for Florida State. Sad and tragic for Jordan Travis uh, to have his career in that way, not on his terms. But I think they're a legit uh, you know, playoff contender. And you know who knows? Who knows what will happen if they get in? And it's like... It sucks that it, like you said, it would end that way, especially when you put six years into, well, well, maybe three or four with that team because he was he transferred mm-hmm. over. But like, yeah, it, it, considering the work and like, like we said, this team, when Mike Norvell first got there, they were three and six his yeah. first year there. There was the year I think last year or two years ago when 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 they lost Travis Hunter to Prime and they were having fire Norvell. 
chance. People were mm-hmm. burning Dion jerseys. Like, I mean, the program was down horrendously bad. Not just two years ago. Now they're looking at a scenario, like we said, where they're undefeated. And I'm here for the playoff. This is the last year of the 14 playoff. And generally, the chaos kind of sorts itself out around these last few weeks. I don't want that. I want chaos. I am yeah. looking forward to a scenario. And I'm not saying this will happen, but I can see this happen. I'm looking forward to a scenario where Alabama, Texas, Washington, and Florida State all went out. Because somebody will have to get left out. Yeah. It, we could have a scenario where we don't have an SEC team in the 14 playoff if that happens. Because if Alabama beats Georgia and Florida State and Washington both go undefeated, and let's say Michigan takes care of business against Ohio State, you have a scenario where you could have four and, and Texas wins. You have a scenario where you Alabama would beat Georgia, and you can't put Alabama in over Texas if they win out because Texas beat Alabama yep. head-to-head. Yep. And then you have three Power Five conferences with undefeated champions. Georgia and Alabama might get left out. Yeah. And 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 heads might roll. If we have a playoff without an SEC team in it, it's going to be a lot of angry, nasty letters being written. It's going to be protests yep. in the street. It's going to be dis- it's going to be mayhem. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to the chaos. I need that scenario in my. I need to see that happen. Lord, please. Let that happen. I just want to see it in the final year of the four team. And then next year, when it's 12 teams and everybody and their mama can get in, we won't have that. But I need the chaos. I, I just need it. I, I, I'm here for it. I'm here for drama. <laughs> you know, that being said, I don't think that's going to happen because it just, it just, it's, life is just not funny that way. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be tough, man. I, I mean, I think Washington has survived in advance. Uh, they, just, they just keep doing it. I don't know how they keep doing it. I They've think... had probably the craziest stretch of like six or seven games where if a play just went this way, they would have two or three losses. They are right? in. They are in. They're surviving. They are in for an ass whooping if they have to play Oregon again. I fear it. I'm, I'm scared to death for Washington if they have to play Oregon a second time because they might get boat raised. Oh, Nix and them boys are not playing. They are not playing. Now, of course, they could lose again and Washington gets in. That could happen. But I don't know. I feel like Oregon might be a stronger team, top to bottom, because they got the defense. And not to say Washington doesn't, but Oregon got a defense that I think could play with some with some Georgias and with some Michigans and some and some yeah. and some Florida States. I don't know if Washington's defense can do that. Their offense can, but I don't know if their defense can. Uh, Oregon got them guys. They got guys who probably would be starting on a lot of like you know when you hear that it's like oh their backups could be starters anywhere else. I think Oregon's got that this year. Finally, they didn't have that for years. Oregon's Achilles' heel was defense. Now they actually got defense. We think. So it's like that. But if Oregon wins and they beat Washington, people are going to hold. I forgot who they lost. Oh, well, they lost to Washington. But if they beat them, then whatever. But like, you know, if Oregon wins, I don't know if it would be as much chaos. But if Washington, Florida State, Michigan all win out and are undefeated and a scenario where Alabama beats Georgia and Texas wins out, there's a scenario where one of Georgia or Alabama or both of them will get left out because you can't leave Texas out if Alabama wins because you can't put Alabama in faithfully over Texas because Texas beat them. <laughs> so it's just, I'm looking forward to the chaos. Is all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Rivalry week's always fun. Yep. Um, you know, of course, the big game, you got, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. 
I mean, even when you think about that, right? Like, whoever's that one loss team, the uh, that one loss will go to the team that's going to be either number one or two. So it's like, how do you rate these one loss? I was about teams, to say, right? yeah, even Ohio it's State. So hard. It's so hard. So it's going to be difficult, man. And and then again, like you said, if Alabama beats Georgia as a one loss team, you still can't really put them above Texas because Texas beat Alabama head to head. Right now, if right? Texas so lo- if Texas loses the Big Twelve title, then then yeah. we don't have any of this. And you. Whatever, but Ohio State is another one. Ohio State has a way stronger resume than Michigan. So, if Ohio State loses or wins, obviously they'll be in the Big Ten title and they'll win out. But a one-loss Ohio State team to Michigan, who beat Notre Dame, who beat Penn State, and would have beaten Michigan, and then beat a very good Iowa team, at least on paper, in the Big Ten title. It's not like you're having a weak Big Ten championship this year. It's not like you're beating Purdue or Illinois. You're actually beating an Iowa team that's like nine and two or whatever. So it's like you would have a, a stat resume. So you can't leave Ohio State out, <laughs> and they won't because hell, God forbid you leave out Ohio State. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, no. So I'm here for the now again. If Florida lose, if Florida State loses to Florida. We don't have this conversation. If Michigan, like, I mean, there can still be a lot of chaos even this week, but it's especially going into next week. Like, I just need all the teams that have to take care of business. I need them to do it. That's all I ask. Yeah. So that we can have chaos next week. <laughs> so, so yeah. Because usually this is the weekend where things kind of even it out. I don't want that. I want chaos. I'm with you. And this was a chaotic segment. So <laughs> let's move on to a more chaotic segment. Uh, you played yourself. Dedicated to the people that should have sat down and ate their food. And I'm going to just tell you, uh, the city of Oakland has been fucked royally. Um, and we knew this was coming. It was only a matter of time. I mean, the writing was on the wall. The walls of Oakland's legislature at this point. <laughs> the Oakland Athletics have now become the third team in the last six or seven years now. They have become the third team to leave the city. There are no more professional sports teams in Oakland as of this week. Um, they are now officially, I mean, they were already like essentially gone to Vegas, but now it's official. Like the owners have approved it. The The mayor of Las Vegas has already given the blessing. So yeah. A big old middle finger to the city of that's crazy. Yeah. Because three teams of, in five years is wild, bro. Yeah, three teams in five years is wild. And it's all because of corporate greed. That's always what it is. Like the, the, these billionaires will lie to your face and gaslight the fuck out the city talking about oh they they this is on the mayors. This is on them people because they didn't negotiate in good faith. You mean to tell John Fisher never even attempted to try to keep that team there. He was always, I'm, and I'm talking years back, go back decades, not even just recently, go back decades. This man always was trying to get out of Oakland. He never put a good faith negotiation on the table. Never. He was always trying to leave to go to Vegas. Um, and that's just him. Al Davis, or not Al Davis, his son, Mark Davis, we saw how that happened with Oakland and the Raiders and all that stuff. That was a, just a nasty back and forth. And then the Warriors kind of did it quietly. They were like, okay. We're going to vote and we're just out of here. <laughs> they did without any noise, but it still was nasty work. It's like, bro, do you know the city, of, the, the A's especially are nasty because you know how fucked up you got to be for Al Davis of all people to be like, hey, you screwed the city, bro. <laughs> like, look at the pot calling the kettle black over here. Like, bro, 
corporate greed cost the city of Oakland all of its professional franchises. And that's all it is. Don't, don't let nobody tell you differently. Like, corporate greed. Because they want the city. You, John Fisher is a billionaire. Al Davis, or I keep saying Al Davis. Mark Davis is a billionaire. These billionaires want public funding for their stadiums instead of footing the damn bill themselves because they could pay for it three times over depending on who it is. You can afford to build your own damn stadium on private land. Why do you need public funding? And this isn't just in Oakland. This is everywhere. You look at the way these negotiations go and it's always like, bro, they're willing to join. The city of Buffalo, for example, gave $350 million of public funding to the owner of the Buffalo Bills to break ground on a new stadium. This is a man that made his money in the oil business. He's got it. He's not hurting for change right now. Why? $350 million is the most ever, by the way, at the, at the time that it was given. The most ever given for a public, public money to build a new stadium. For what? <laughs> you tell me he don't got 300. This is how people become billionaires, because they hoard their wealth. And play in our faces. This is why. Corporate greed cost Oakland all of its franchises. This is what I'm talking about. Don't ever let nobody gaslight you and tell you different. It's crazy, bro. And it's sad, man. It's sad that a city with such great culture, you know what I mean? A city that's so important in black history. Um, you know, out you know, out west, Oakland, Oakland is is honestly the spot when it when it comes to black history and it comes to Great athletic feats from from black athletes, man. Oakland, Oakland was was Oakland the spot for the West Coast, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it it's sad, man. It, it, it's sad that you know a, a city with such rich tradition has really just been an afterthought. And when we look back and reflect on history, right? Like that, when you think about it, our next generation, they won't know about Oakland sports. Um, you know, and it's sad because Vegas bustling right now and i i get it from the business perspective if you're you know what i mean like you said it's, it's just greed um but to see three teams in five years stripped out of a city um it's just it's sad man and you All think about the, the, exact amount, the amount of jobs bro the amount of jobs that have been lost um for, for so many people man that depended on that it's just but it's not even that that's that's the other that's the other part of it that's so ridiculous because mm-hmm. they'll come to a new city with the promise of oh this will bring jobs and Yep. This will bring more people to downtown, but it's like no, it doesn't. It really, in the grand scheme of things, the amount of jobs that are brought in with a new stadium usually does not, um, doesn't end up being equating to the amount of money that is given up to put the stadium in place. Like you don't bring, like the city of Buffalo is giving up three hundred and fifty million dollars to build the stadium, whatever little tiny amount of jobs that they bring in there is not going to equal the 350 million plus that they're giving up or 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 more than that. They're not going to be in the plus or whatever. It might help, but most of that money is going to Terry Pagula anyway and the Pagula family anyway. So like yeah. it's like it doesn't even when the jobs do come it's never equal. <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. So it's like it's still it's still a crock of shit it's still a load of shit i mean yeah you're losing jobs but it's still like (laughs) that part of it is crazy to me and then the other thing to me is like like you said like just to have that ripped from you like that history just taken from you and especially the oakland a's like bro everything about that is iconic like the color the colors being in oakland like 
it's just going to be nasty to see that Las Vegas on there. It doesn't feel, it's not going to feel right. And what makes it even worse is that this move won't be official until 2027 anyway. So they're not moving until 2027. So you still have three years of sitting in Oakland and you're and this is going to be stewing and, and I don't know how this is going to play out for the players. And, and I mean, not just the players, but like this whole situation is only going to get worse because now that it's official and you still got three years before you can even move to get a new state to get to the new stadium in a new place. So it's like, <laughs> what is that life going to be like for those players in Oakland for these next three years? Are they even going to be in Oakland? Maybe they go somewhere else and play temporarily until then. I don't know. It's it's just all it's nasty, bro. It's gonna be a nasty divorce. It's gonna be real nasty. It's gonna be disgusting. It, it just feel feel for the city of Oakland. Now it's expensive for no reason. At least it was expensive back then because it's like, oh yeah, everybody wants to come and play. <laughs> now it's just no. There's no teams in Oakland. All the teams yeah. are on the on the left side of the bed. <laughs> like, and you know the irony of of all of this, the man in charge of. Stealing the A's out of Oakland is the same man whose father fought to keep the Giants in San Francisco when a similar situation was going to happen back then. In like the, oh, I want to say, the, I want to say in the '90s or '80s, it's like somewhere in there the the Giants were. I, I remember hearing it on a podcast about this that the Giants were in danger of leaving, and it was John Fisher's father who kind of helped bankroll keeping them in the city of San Francisco. And that same man's bloodline is now coming back full circle and saying, you know what? Fuck y'all. We out. And so you're repeating yourself in a different way. Yep. 360 up front, it all comes full circle. It's crazy. (laughs) Moving on. um, While we're talking about new stadiums and stadiums moving and the movement of stadiums and whatnot, the Washington football team, commanders, Whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves, as long as you start with trash in front of it, because y'all are horrible. Because it was bad enough that y'all lost to a third-string quarterback that lives with his mom. You know, I'm gonna I'm I'm say that every time I hear. Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito, Tommy, Tommy DeVito, Tommy Soprano. <laughs> that nigga walked into FedEx Field and hung three touchdowns on y'all's head, bro. Six turnovers. That was the most disgusting display of football I've ever seen in my life. And I've been watching Washington Washington football because they've been under different names. 15, probably 15 years of my life I've been watching the, the Commanders because I'm 27. So maybe like 15 of them years I've been watching Commander football, Redskin football, uh, football team football. This was by far the most disgusting loss. This was horrible on both sides. It was terrible. He got sacked nine times, can't complete fucking... And then they had zero rush yards through three quarters, bro. Like, that's dirty. And then Saquon just started getting busy on these dudes. And it's yep. disgusting. That was bad enough. But then to make things worse, every year is something with FedEx Field, bro. Like, three years ago, it was like the... the, the geez, I don't even remember. It was something happened three years ago. Uh, sewage was falling on fans during games three years ago. Then, then last year, Jalen Hurts almost got crushed by... The, the part of the stadium fell down in front of him and fans. That happened last year. And now this year, ain't no running cold water in the building. There ain't no running hot water. What are we doing? That a professional football stadium. Nah, that's a joke. You you would think that's like a a, a, a high school type of thing. Not right. even a high school thing. Uh, you know, it's like a YMCA 
you know, the, the showers ain't working right. in the locker room type of thing. It's like, crazy. Who didn't pay the bill? What is going on here? Equipment failures? What are we doing? The, the, the Dan Snyder, this is the parting gift by Dan Snyder. This is terrible. The Imagine being a professional football player for this team. You just Man. lost one of the worst football games of your career. You're angry because you've lost four of the last five. You know your coach is about to get fired. You're just trying to get out the building, take a shower, go home to your family. And you walk in after that long day and after that disappointment. And you walk in and the damn showers don't work. Imagine. Imagine being a member of this team, bro. Like, I would just ask for a trade. And I don't even care that the deadline is passed. Like, I would just be like, bro, I want out of here. Like, there, it can't get worse than this. Pretty awful. It's bad. This is a professional football team, bro. Yeah. One of the most valuable, in theory, according to Forbes, is one of the most valuable franchises in the league. Well, that was when Snyder was here. I mean, he 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 was one of the richest owners. Yeah, I guess you can't say so on the team anymore because they just did that. It's like, bro, this is his parting gift. This raggedy ass stadium. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But we already know when they build a new one, it, it, more of that public money that's going to come out to build it. But at this rate, like, you know, sometimes, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's nasty all around. Mm-hmm. And speaking of nasty, I, this is a late edition, but I got to add this, bro. This Angel Reese situation is just so weird. I'm with you. I, and I can't even really speak on it because I don't know what to say because we don't know what it is. I mean, there's rumors floating that bag is There's a lot of speculation that, oh, maybe she is an attitude issue. Is she beefing with... You got players' mamas fighting on Instagram. Yeah, that's, that's the petty, like, petty stuff. That I just y'all, don't are grown, right y'all are grown women, bro. Leave, leave y'all daughters out of this. Whatever y'all got yep. between each other, leave y'all daughters out of this. This is nasty. Yep. And my thing is, even if grades were an issue... Which I don't know because I'm not in the classroom with her. If grades were an issue, I've never known any academic situation in which the grades come at halftime and you get benched at halftime and then you never like it it doesn't work like that as far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like you you don't get grades during the game and they slide them to coach and it's like oh oh, no 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 she's got to come out like that. It don't work like that. The other thing, too, is, like, I'm not completely sure, and I, mean, I can do my research on this, but, like, LSU isn't a trimester school, like, right? It's, it's two semesters. So I'm pretty sure it's, like, I'm a, pretty sure. yeah. a spring and a or fall, spring, and, you know, of course, summer, but and summer and winter, but that doesn't really count towards, like, the, you know, cumulative, you know, GPA for that current season. So, like, let's just say she had a failing GPA in the summer. She wouldn't have been able to compete in the fall, right? But the fall semester isn't over until December. Right, so like, how could they like? In high school, it's a little different with the market periods and stuff. But in college, she won't know her grades until the end of the season. But even with college, even athletes get like progress reports, quote unquote. Yeah. But even those, you don't get them during the halftime of a game or like in the third quarter of a game or whatever. Like, it's not gonna even if you get them, it's not gonna be at like the timing of it. It wouldn't be a grades thing. Yeah. It clearly is. It's clearly not that. Let's say she did, and I'm I don't know what her grades are or aren't. The other part of that is we're not going to pretend like grades have ever mattered, especially at LSU, because I remember Ben Simmons. If this were a grades issue, the NCAA would have, would have told us that by now. The NCAA would have put her business out there in the streets, and they haven't said anything. Because I remember when Ben Simmons had grades issues, everybody knew about it. They were like, oh, 
his grades are too low for him to win the award for best player, but they weren't low enough that he wasn't able to play. So it's like, which one is it? Does he have bad grades or not? We knew exactly what it was with Ben Simmons. The NCAA hasn't said a word, so we know it's not grades. This is some internal issue, but also the other thing is I don't think it's really our business. I'm, I'm cool with Kim Mulkey not telling us nothing. I think some people are a little too bloodthirsty because they don't like Angel because she's a black woman that is loud and confident, and that's all it really is. People are going to sit here and pretend like, oh, race has nothing to do with it. The way y'all talk about her, especially in relation to Caitlin Clark, y'all hate that girl because she is a black woman that is confident about herself. Y'all hate black women that aren't quiet and docile. That's really what it's about, where. Because niggas really coming out the side of their mouth talking about, oh, she's trash. You talking about a woman that was voted most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament and is a defending national champion that is averaging a double-double this year? She's trash? Okay. Yeah, and it's, we, we, like you said, you we could have predicted the, you know, this part of it was going to come because it, it happens so much to you know, powerful black athletes, right? Uh, especially yeah. black women athletes that are outspoken or that show this great deal of confidence that celebrate themselves, but also have a great, you know, deal of people, you know, our people mostly that are behind them and are supporting them and are putting them, you know, on their on the pedestal. But a lot of times the pedestal, pedestal is when they deserved it, right? Talk about someone that's coming off a national championship. All right, so we're not talking about someone that was all talk and no bite, right? Like we were talking about somebody that has done it at the highest level of her sport and has been was the most dominant and the best player in those moments for her team. So she's done it before, right? But it's sad. It's so sad, and it's honestly it's disgusting um, that our society loves to tear people down when they're at that peak. It's loves like, to do that, and we're talking about a college student too, which is which is even yeah. nastier and sad that they want to tear this you know tear this girl down because it, it, it's crazy because. To our point, Dev, like, we always feel so entitled to know stuff about athletes. Uh, and again, this is a college athlete. We're not talking about, this isn't even a professional athlete. This is a college athlete, right? So why are so, so are so many adults, like we talked about with the parents, but why are so many adults obsessed with knowing what the issue is, but creating these narratives to tear this girl down without knowing the facts, right? Like, if you know the facts, cool. You can have your opinion. I ain't going to care about it, but you can have that opinion and it's valued to you because it's your opinion but like until you know the facts let's stop trying to you know be these investigative journalists without the credentials right it's like chill out wait stop being weird and and, and trying to create these narratives so just chill out this is nasty work because i'm like like you said this is a college athlete like i mean and and black women especially but like black athletes in general we've seen this for years any black athlete that is loud boisterous and confident and walks around with a with a cockiness about themselves people can't wait to tear them down we saw yep. with richard sherman yep. dylan brooks because he had the nerve to come at y'all's glorious king <laughs> y'all couldn't wait to tear him down because he had the nerve to be confident about himself you know yep. angel reese now we're looking at that with, with with angel reese you know oh she embarrassed that poor white girl on on a national stage and y'all have not forgiven her for it you know, the nerve of that jigaboo essentially is what it sounds like that y'all be doing. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I really honestly hope that Angel, whatever is going on with her, I hope that it gets situated because I really love watching 
her play and watching LSU play and it would be a shame if this is how she went out, which I don't think yeah. she will. I hopefully, whatever is going on, I hope it gets resolved so that she can come back and do what I'm sure she loves to do. So, you know, it 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 will be so much wasted potential if 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 this thing grows into something bigger. So, let's hope that everything works itself out for sure. For sure. That being said, we're gonna wrap this thing up with a little game. Obviously, like I said, this is the final episode before Thanksgiving holiday shows up. Um, so that means it's a lot of good food that's going to be eaten. And it's not some good food, too, depending on some of y'all's houses. I know <laughs> some of y'all can't cook like that. You're losing recipes. But that being said, we're going to do a little we're going to do a little a little ranking game. I'm going to have to ask you, well, Top Thanksgiving foods. I'm going to ask you maybe your top three. I'm going to make it easy. Your top three must-haves during Thanksgiving. Cool. Uh, I'm a, number one for me got to be the mac and cheese and the, 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 the yam combo. Mac and cheese, yam combo. Mm-hmm. You know, that's undefeated combo for me right there. So that's, mm-hmm. that's got to be number one. That's got to be number one. Uh, number two for me... I'm gonna stick with the sweet potato land, the sweet potato pie. That's that's always on on, the, on my plate for dessert. Yeah. Um, uh, little little uh, you know, cool whip on that out the tub. Um, but yeah, maybe heat the heat the sweet potato pie up a little bit. You know, after a few days, maybe the sweet potato pie, get some ice cream with it. But right. the sweet potato pie always a hit. Uh, and then number three, let me see. Number three probably gonna be the stuffing man. Stuffing man, depending on who make it. Um, but the stuffing always always a hit. Um, maybe some cranberry sauce on it, but the stuffing is always a hit for me. <laughs> I'm not. I've never. And this is just me. This is just me. I've never been a huge stuffing guy. Like okay. growing up, like it's just I, I, stuffing hasn't been like I'll eat it last resort. But like I've never uh, been. I've never been a stuffing guy. But that's just me. I mean, I, I know why people like it, but I just personally could never yeah. get with it. But okay, let I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna rock with you real quick. Rock with me. Let me hear it. All right. So yeah, I'm with you. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese definitely is a necessity. Mac and cheese is a necessity, and the people in my family can cook, so I've never had bad mac and cheese. I feel that. Um, one, one, one year I had uh, Thanksgiving at uh, one of my teammates' house. It was, a, it was a white white teammate. Shout out to my boy Jeff Jeff Arnold. So my family they was a little they was more nervous than me going there for Thanksgiving. We had playoffs one year. So I'm like, are you sure friend. about this, bro? Dude? Bro, they put onions. They put onions in the mac and cheese, man. Onions, <laughs> onions in the mac and cheese. They threw it off. Threw it off. The next year, though, we went back. They fixed it. No onions in the mac and cheese that year. The brisket okay. was always hit, and I ain't never heard brisket for Thanksgiving, but they did that well. Oh, no. So we brisket, actually, but onions in the mac and cheese was a no-go. Brisket, actually, funny story. Like, my, my family, on my dad's side, like, my, my, my godfather, he definitely... We, they be throwing down ribs and brisket and all that stuff. Like they, they it, I mean, turkey too. But like, it ain't just a turkey household. And and, oh it, and and the turkey be deep fried too. It, it ain't that baked in the oven stuff. Even though that that's cool too. I actually like turkey. I don't know why people don't like to, like people. Just, oh, it's dry. Like I don't give a fuck. It'd be, a lot, it'd be dry, but it I don't been, give a fuck. I'm having some good turkey the last. But year, mac and know? cheese, mac and cheese is number one for me. Mac and cheese and yams, like you said, okay. together because they they go. Ham, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, mac and cheese, cheese and yeah. All right. Um, I'm ham, ham. I need some ham. Big ham guy. Big ham guy. Okay. All right. Um, I'm probably gonna name more than three, but uh, yeah. Uh, 
I'm I'm big like rolls. I need I need them warm. Just no, I feel that. I feel put some that. butter over the junk. It's on fire. And then I'm a big dessert guy. So all the desserts, not just sweet sweet potato pie. We talking bunt cake, <laughs> pound cake. Okay. Cheesecake. <laughs> all so the they cakes. got it all. Yeah, all the cakes. <laughs> we getting all that in there. But yeah. So with that being said, we're gonna wrap up a special Thanksgiving episode of the play by play analysis or pre pre Thanksgiving episode. Um happy Thanksgiving to everybody that celebrates. If you don't celebrate, I I'm with you. I understand. We it's the white man's holiday. I don't give a fuck. I'm here for the food. Um but yeah, you know, y'all spend time with y'all families on my behalf. You know, shout out to y'all. Watch some good sports because it's not just football. It's obviously everything's on this weekend. So yeah, but Walt, thank you again. Hey, always, brother, man. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there, man. Happy holidays. Be safe. Enjoy your time with the family if you can. If not, man, great fellowship wherever you are. Um, but hey, stay, stay stay warm out there too, man. This weather, I don't know what's up with it. Getting stay crazy warm out, out there. Here, always yeah. good, brother. And last but not least, now is appropriate to play Christmas music. Now, this week is appropriate. I don't know what y'all niggas was doing the first day of November, but now is appropriate. Thanksgiving officially, the clock, the clock is on for 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 Christmas, so y'all y'all got that. Yep. But yeah, play-by-play analysis podcast. It's your boy Devin Ashbsk. Play-by-play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Happy holidays, good people. Y'all stay safe traveling, and we're going to see y'all when we see y'all. Deuces. Yes.